0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, October 16th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. Turks and Kurds were not always enemies, and the Kurds, a common term used as the U.S. military departs northern Syria, are not a mere monolithic group of people. Cato's Mustafa Akio comments. How long has anti-U.S. sentiment, this sort of conspiratorial thinking within Turkey with regard to the United States, how long has that been going on? And uh, what do you think caused it?
1: It certainly has roots uh, in the earlier decades, but it was among the Marxist left or the Islamists. It just became more mainstream in the past several years, since 2015, I should say. Uh, And because the United States allied with the Kurdish militia in Syria against ISIS, and it was a reason it was a decision which has its own reasons. ISIS is obviously the greatest threat to anybody in the world, and these people were fighting ISIS. But from the Turkish point of view, these were the extensions of the PKK, which is Turkey's own Kurdish uh, separatist problem and terrorist a group since 1984 so since then turkey has been boiling with this conspiracy theories that america has now become the supporter of the pkk pkk is going to divide us american imperialism and all that uh without understanding why this decision was exactly made people just built conspiracy theories on top of that and and it brought us i think to
0: this point so when did turks and kurds get along the kurds and turks got along during the Ottoman Empire, which was not a
1: nationalist country. The Ottoman Empire, like the Habsburg's empire, like many multi-ethnic, multi-religious empires, it was a mosaic. So, you could be an Ottoman Kurd, or an Ottoman Turk, or an Arab, or Jew, or, or uh, Greek, or uh, Armenian. But the empire collapsed because of nationalism, there were nationalist revolts, and the Turks got more nationalist, and that led to a lot of tragedies, including the deportation and killing of almost a million Armenians sadly in 1915. But then when the Turkish Republic was announced in 1923, Kurds realized that, oh, we used to be in the Ottoman Empire and we used to be Kurds. Now this is a Turkish state. And they're calling us Turks as well and, and we don't have a place in this. So you see Kurdish revolts from the beginning of a tur- Turkish Republic against the central authority because Turkey wanted to assimilate them forcefully by banning their language and culture and Kurds reacted to this, understandably. Um, but, but in the meantime, Kurdish nationalism itself turned into a, a movement. And then it it culminated with Marxism, Leninism, and gave us what we call the PKK. PKK is a terrorist group, a guerrilla army fighting Turkey since 1984. And the war between the PKK and the Turkish security forces um, has left 50,000 at least casualties. People, I mean, soldiers and, and their own guerrilla, both sides and civilians killed. So it is really a huge trauma for Turkey. And I've been among the people who are calling for a peaceful solution to the problem, including reforms for Kurdish rights, and you let Kurdish language be free and freely spoken and used everywhere. Plus, the government should talk to the PKK and come to a peaceful solution. There was a chance for this, actually, until 2015. There were peace talks, but they collapsed, and Syria on top of that, so Turkey had this uh, nationalist euphoria since then, and and I think that Turkey has reasonable concerns that you know if there's a PKK istan on the other side of the border, you know that's a concern for this country. Uh, but I also believe there's no military solution to this problem, so we should still push for some diplomatic solution, it, it's a kind of re- reconciliation, and
0: US should help that uh, rather than uh, saying we have nothing to do with this. Now, uh, with respect to uh, President Erdogan and the PKK, it seemed that, I, m- I mean, as much as Erdogan is is not a particularly savory fella, um, it seemed that he at least made an attempt to, uh, at what you're describing, a reconciliation. He did. I mean, Erdogan is ruling Turkey since 2002.
1: Uh, for almost, what, 17 years now, and he had different phases. Uh, in the beginning, he was pro-EU and he was allying himself with the liberals and, and the peace process with the uh, PKK was a part of that nicer era. Ultimately, that gradually collapsed and now Erdogan is allied with the most hardcore ultranationalists of Turkey, including a pro-Chinese Maoist party. These are all they know is to bomb the terrorists and destroy them. So that's very hard. Ho- so Erdogan just bought into that narrative and it, now he's saying we will destroy the terrorists. Just four years ago, he was telling us that you know there is no military solution to this problem. He had this beautiful slogan, let the mothers not cry, and the mothers were the Kurdish and Turkish mothers. So it was a reference to the mothers of Turkish soldiers, but the Kurdish guerrilla as well. Unfortunately, that's gone right now, but I still believe in revitalizing that because this is a almost a century long battle fight and there is really no military solution. I mean, Turkey will go into Syria, destroy some parts of the establishment of the PKK, PYD there. Uh, there will be people anger, full of anger and some people will want to take revenge and they will do maybe things in Turkey and then that will just culminate into
0: that. It is this vicious cycle of violence. So for many of the Kurds uh, who would like to align themselves neither with Erdogan or the PKK, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who who say here that in the United States that, uh, that the United States has abandoned them.
1: It is true. And I should say that there are Kurds that are neither allied with PKK or Erdogan. I mean, in northern Iraq, there's a whole Barzani movement. And that is neither PKK, that is neither Turkey itself. And Turkey actually didn't have a problem with the Iraqi Kurds because of that. Because Iraqi Kurdistan is dominated by the Barzani family, that is more traditional, that's more right wing, let's say, compared to the Marxist PKK. Uh, So, and I think, therefore, I think it is unfair to say Turkey is going after the Kurds in general, but PKK is a specific party among the Kurds, which has millions of followers and supporters among the Kurds. And in, in Syria, they found a base. And uh, and well for, for and now what what they're doing? We're trying to find uh, some protection from the Assad regime, which was the very actor that Turkey tried to topple in the beginning, and the US has seen as a big problem. So this is a disastrous civil war. We are in the new phase of that, and I think US uh, under the Obama administration made the mistake of just working with the. PYD, which is PKK's extension in Syria, and not caring what Turks would think, and that boiled and brought us to this point. And uh, today, I think US's you know, right to be not engaged in endless wars, but I think more diplomacy between
0: these warring factions in Syria, between Turks and the Kurdish forces would be helpful. So, uh, in the absence of American uh, leadership in this area, what path forward is there for a reconciliation, or just in general, a tolerance uh, for each other, because uh, as you noted uh, before we started talking, uh, the PKK was not after just recognition of rights for Kurds. They were after a piece of territory that would be some sort of
1: Kurdistan. Kurdistan. Yeah. Uh, And again, I'm not even against the idea of having some territory called Kurdistan. The Ottomans had that. In Iraq, Iraq we have a Kurdistan. But if that is, of course, hostile to Turkey, any country would be worried about that. Now, uh, in the absence of a US leadership, I think what will come and what is visible is Russian leadership. Uh, I think uh, Russia is actually winning now because Russia's biggest asset in Syria is of course the Assad regime. Now the Assad regime is uh, coming to the north of the country, which it wasn't controlling for a long time because the PYD, the Kurds there want their support against the Turkish incursion. And ultimately, uh, I mean, I ask for US to play a role of mediation between uh, Kurds and Turks in in this particular region. We might end up Russia having to doing that. And of course, that will uh, consolidate the Assad regime. The Kurdish forces there will have to uh, bow down to the Assad regime and Turkey will maybe hold some slice of territory there. Uh, And in the meantime, unfortunately, a lot of people will die. And uh, I mean, this is a lesson showing that when these great powers enter into a conflict with their own pawns and using this or that group against each other, they just create more destruction and Syria has been a bad example of that. The region has also Lebanese civil war, which was like that. Different countries had their own uh, assets and their proxies. And uh, at the end of the day, the lesson should be that neither the Turks will be able to destroy Kurdish separatism, neither the Kurdish nationals will be able to carve out a part of territory from Turkey that's called Kurdistan. At the end of the day, we should find diplomatic peaceful solutions to these problems. Unfortunately, people come to that only after a lot of losses and, and, and destruction and so on and so forth.
0: Mustafa Akiole is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.